Welcome back, y'all, to episode 124 of the Zachary Wingate Podcast, where we go 365 days bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Okay, so today we have a very special guest stepping in, and that is my wife, Natalie Granja. Can I come in? Hello? You got the applause. <laughs> um, hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you for being a guest. All right. Well, I just want to say before we get started that I realize you record your intro fresh every single day. Why don't you just pre-record it, drop it in like a clip, and you don't have to say it every time? I guess I could do it, but when I do it, it kind of just gets me in the mindset. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like a way I practice. Yeah, it just like opens, it's like opens the ceremony to come in. Yeah, I mean, I think to me, it's just kind of, and it also gets me kind of trained, but today we're doing something a little bit different. Natalie and I finally have two microphones and two headsets. Yes, and... I'll have you guys know that as we're recording this episode, I'm doing my makeup. So if you hear a little bit of this ASMR, like, yes. I don't know if my listeners like AMSR. AMSR, you mean ASMR. Um, That's okay. Okay, so today kind of getting into a topic, you know, sometimes Natalie and I like to review different shows we've been watching and kind of bring you the information. So if you're potentially thinking about Reviewing a show, there will be spoiler alerts, just giving you a heads up. And today we are reviewing the show, White, White Lotus. Lotus. The White Lotus. The White Lotus. This show is on HBO and currently has two seasons. Um, and Natalie and I just finished the the most up-to-date episode from season two. We pretty much binged it. And we kind of just want to give an overview of the show, kind of get into potential outcomes. Well, we haven't watched the last episode yet because it hasn't dropped. So this is the, like, we've watched everything before the season finale. Mm-hmm. So we are speculating on, like, who dies. So there's not a lot, there's not spoilers, really, because... Well, if you haven't seen the show, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, I don't know. Just, I guess, yeah, we'll be we'll be quoting things that happened the last episode. Well, just be alerted that there could be potential spoilers. Yes, but if you are have made it up to this point and you haven't watched White Lotus, I recommend you just go ahead and watch that. But if you're like us and you want to talk about who you think dies, because on episode one... They found one body. Okay, let's. But gonna, then we gotta hit it. We gotta. We're, we just gotta do one thing to open it up. That we're now transitioning to talk about the show. Are you ready? Okay, hopping into it. We're entering the vortex. All right, now we're gonna kind of get into Vortex. the actual analysis oh. overview of the show. Natalie, the floor is yours. Okay. So I was texting with one of my good friends, Seat Lolly, who um, is the one who recommended the show. And then your brothers and their wives also recommended the show. So we were like, okay, right. So I was texting with Seat Lolly and I was like, this is so good. I mean, I'm obsessed. The show is definitely HBO-esque, right? Like it's intense. There's a lot of sex. There's, um, yeah, just like an intensity about it that you don't really find on like Netflix, let's say. Mm -hmm. Um, so 
what I was just recapping is that on episode one, they find a dead body, right? And there's not just one, but there are several dead bodies. So now that we... You mean an episode... You mean, are we talking about season two or season one? Season two, episode one. Okay, this is a season two overview. We're not going to Yeah, we're not doing... Do you want to do season one? No, I just didn't know. I didn't know where it's going to take away. I guess it's more relevant to post this because other people are probably on the edge of like who dies and who who's the murderer yeah and i think too what's interesting about this show is it's almost like you're untangling the um personal relationships between all these people and i think the character development side of it is really what gives it such a unique aspect and i think when we watch it that's one thing that sticks out and you know like season one and season two it opens up with the with the dead person yeah so the dead, the, so the dead person is kind of it's leading up to that dead person and how they get there, and Natalie has done a deep dive. She's now the, she's almost like the correspondent for this show now. There we go. I and to see your correspondent. She has a lot of different theories and thoughts. So let's let's hear them. Okay, so <laughs> so I guess let me look at the character list names real quick. So we've got Tanya. Who is having like this weird, she's being like courted by this one um, like allegedly like really rich gay guy. Let me see. What's his name? Tom. Quentin. Yeah. So his character's name is Quentin. So Quentin is like wooing her in this whole thing. But then we see on the episode before the season finale that in that picture. Mm-hmm. He knows her husband. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was alluding to in the writing. Greg. Because to me, this is kind of, or um, the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite. I'll throw a football over the mountain. So Greg. Yeah. So essentially, he alludes that he notes Greg. And to me, this was like a really interesting, I guess you could call it a plot twist. Yeah. But from the writing, I could immediately know that this is what they were going through from the conversation. Because I actually said it to you. I'm like, yeah, you said it, and then it kind of went dead because we didn't see anything. But then when we saw the picture, you're like, but the most important thing about this is that she saw that picture and was still getting wooed by that guy Nicholas or whatever his name is, the the drug dealer. But they might have a character be like, I was so messed up. I don't really. I didn't no, know. No, no. But really... but the point is, it's like she had that in mind. Plus, she saw that. Him, the uncle, um, Quentin, and was getting. Please, please, just keep it PC. By Dylan, uh, all right. Just saying. Yeah, that's... so she knew that there was a discrepancy there. So the point is, it's like with the care with Tracy's character, we now know that she's aware that they are not uncle and nephew. She's aware that he was friends with her husband. And yet she's still carrying on, as we see with that last scene, her being seduced by that one guy. So I'm just saying, does she have something up her sleeve that we just don't see coming No, yet? I think she's really... Or you think she's just ditzy? I think she's just a super lonely, rich person, and she's always wanted to feel like she's a part of a group. That's kind of what she's alluding to. That's her insecurity. She's a part of this group, and this group is feeling more... It's like giving her so much dopamine to be a part of something finally. True. And she doesn't know what we know as the viewer that 
um, Quentin actually doesn't have as as much money as she thinks. Yeah. Because she thinks he's super rich, and that's why she was like, oh, I love having rich friends because I don't have to feel like they're stealing from me, but he's just a guy with a palazzo and no money. Yeah, and that's what it is, is she thinks he has a lot of money, and they talk about the prenup with the husband, Greg, and how... So that's what I was also saying, too, is that, like, in episode one or two, there's... They bring up the prenup. So the prenup is important. It's relevant to the plot. Otherwise, it would not have been brought up. So I'm thinking the only thing I really know about that could possibly happen with the prenup, because also the assistant had mentioned several times, um, Portia mentioned several times, like... Oh, yeah, she inherited half a billion dollars. She said it several times. So how much money she has is important. The prenup is important because usually in prenups, if someone cheats, either there's a, a clause where the person gets a lot of money or mm-hmm. a even like the prenup is dissolved. Yeah. So, so at this point, we don't know. But, but we think that that could be potentially be one of the outliers to impact what's happening with her. But I think that... I think that what's happening is there's either going to, one, be a situation where maybe she can um, snake her way out of it, or she's going to get caught up in the situation. Like, I don't think she's going to die or anything. I think that something could happen, like there might be a, a scuffle, a confrontation, where Quentin, the gay uncle, dies, or Dylan, the alleged nephew, dies. Dies. Now, what's interesting about the opener is the person that we know does not die is... um, Is for sure Cameron's wife, Daphne. So Daphne does not die. So we know that she's out of it. But this allows us to... But she could be the murderer. This allows us to transition into the other group. So if we look at the the other group of Will, um, Cameron... No, No, it's Cameron, Ethan, Harper. And they're kind of weird kind of thing that's going on with them, you know. But, like, for this one, the only, if you, so the show is based off conflict. That's, if you look, if you take season one and what happened with season one and how the dude died, there was conflict between the two. So if you apply that same formula to this two, what we're seeing now is some conflict between Ethan and Cameron because, you know, they had this whole kind of relationship where he wants what Cameron wants, what Ethan has and has always taken it. And this could have been another setup. So if we look at the show too, they're using Plotzos as a setup. So the wife took Harper. So Cameron's wife, um, Daphne, took Harper to the Plotza, had him stay. And we know that Cameron asked Will for money. So there's money involved right there. And the, and another reason is Harper could potentially be holding on to some animosity because she thinks when they stayed at that plaza, that there was a hookup with, with the hooker scene. Yes, but I want to also say something. Um, you had mentioned um, wait, we were talking about I think I want to go back real quick to the Tanya I lost my train of thought. Um, well, Okay, we were talking about how the the couples, um, how <laughs> we were talking about how because there was a was TikTok conspiracy theory that I wanted to bring in real quick. Okay, about like what they had thought, but I can't remember exactly it's, what it was. Well, it was with that Daphne. We well, I was giving. 
you know, dicky dicky usually dicky. on shows people talk together. I know, but I'm the correspondent. That's true. So like you haven't, I haven't been able to like really put a full thought out there because really? it's been. I feel like you've done a great job so far. Um, this is an ASMR. ASMR. <laughs> you were talking about Daphne and how she could potentially be the killer. Oh yes. Okay. So Daphne being the potential killer. Oh, okay. This is what TikTok brought up that. Cameron allegedly is spotted in that first episode that you can see him in the background. So they're like, for sure, Cameron's not dead. But I haven't gone back to check, so I don't know. Um, so then if Cameron doesn't die and we see on the season, uh, the episode before the season finale that there is a scuffle between Ethan and Cameron in the ocean. Remember, you see them like fighting. Mm-hmm. Then maybe Ethan's the one that dies. Correct. And maybe Ethan, maybe like the whole thing is sort of like this poetic justice type of thing because it's like Ethan's dying because he's allowing himself to become enraged over something that didn't even happen. It's almost like it's being. But the show would indicate that something did happen. What, between Harper and. And See, I don't think anything happened. But it's like, but it's so. Like, I think he, I think it's just like he's. He's getting all these little pieces. He's got like PTSD about what's happened before where he swooped in. I think it's and... called trauma. Yeah, PTSD. I'm just kidding. So. Um... But I think that too, what you're getting is the fact that, you know, Cameron has a track record. He's been making moves at Harper the whole time. They go up to the room. The door's locked for some weird reason. No, it's the latch keys. Well, the latch key. That's still the latch key's locked on the door, and he can't open it, which she thinks is really strange. But she was also like, "I had some tequilas. Like I didn't even think twice about it." Like if I'm in a hotel, I feel like I'm automatically doing the latch key, but, but I'm not even thinking about lock it. Lock the door just to get a hat, because usually when you get a hat, well, you're in and does, out. Oh, okay. Good point. Mm-hmm. Good point. Because that indicates intent. Because if you're locking the door, yeah, you know, and you're when you're just running in to get a hat, fair. And the fact that the other door was unlocked and he came out right in time with the book, it was just too smooth. Okay, so what TikTok is also saying is that they think that um, Daphne and Cameron have been plotting to destroy Will. And um, Harper? There's no Will. It's Evan. I don't know. Oh, his real name is Will. I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. Evan and Harper's marriage and trying to get between them. Because then he could have more influence to get his money. Maybe. Then, yeah. I mean, because well, like, right. Like, what's the, like, why? Like, why would people do? Yeah. I think that makes sense. Do you want well, me to look it up real quick? Well, that's, no, that's fine. You don't have to look it up. That's the main intent of what it is, is that potentially he could be looking up for more money. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously TikTok is opening up a lot of different conspiracy theories, but do you really think, I mean, I think out of this little cell of people, the the real escalating issue would be between Ethan and Cameron, don't you think? Or do you think it would be between Ethan and Harper? Um, I think Ethan and Harper are fine. You know why? Also, because when Aubrey Plaza who plays Harper, was interviewed about the show, she made a comment saying, in the end, the show is really a love story. So that little spoiler makes us think, okay, well then Aubrey, I'm sorry, then Harper and Ethan actually and like are fine at the end. Mm-hmm. 
So we're kind of like, is that a spoiler between about their relationship? Then that means Ethan is alive. Maybe Ethan and Cameron both, you know, neither of them die. And maybe, you know, it's Lucia, you know, or maybe it's Albie. Um, which I hope it's not, but. Yeah, and I think speaking of love story, story, I think that's a really good segue into talking about the characters, the Italian family with um, Dominic de Grassi, um, Alda de Grassi? Albi. Albi. And De Grazzo is her last name. The De Grazzos. We'll just call them the De Grazzos. Okay. Which the the trio. I just gotta really praise Michael Im- what's his name? Last name? Uh who? Oh Michael Imper- Imperioli. Michael Imperioli. Um I think he does a phenomenal job. His acting is like spot on. And it's like you forget how good of an actor he really is. Yeah. It's kinda like he deserves more roles. Oh, for sure. Like, I wonder if he's just, like, set so he doesn't, like, have to act anymore or what. But I don't know. That's a good point. Like, you never really know, like, the reason why. But he, yeah, he's doing phenomenal. I mean, there were so many times Zach and I looked at each other and we were like, damn. Like, I just believed that. Like, that just felt so real. Yeah, and I can totally agree with that because whenever you watch it, you know, it does offer that ability to just kind of, you're just kind of stunned from it. Like, the show is like intoxicating like it's kind of hypnotic well it kind of feels like you're dealing with like the ultimate gossip chismoso type kind of situation where everyone has conflict and this kind of brings us into the degrassi's conflict which is the grazo which is sex so yes so sex in itself is the conflict here the other group is envy right and the other group is money so you have money Then you have envy, right? And now you have sex as a result of one of the the the, the sinful natures of human. I think that's really what the show's getting down to is each mm, each each like little, a vice or something. Each cluster has their yeah. conflict, like because that's what you have to insert conflict here. Mm-hmm. Um, the fathers obviously um, brought these these hookers in, um, and their character's name is Mia and what's the other girl's name? Lucia. Mia and Lucia, which. Are I think Italian actresses, and what's so interesting is the father brought them in because he saw Lucia's feet on Instagram, and she kind of was a hustler, so she figured out where he is, and they kind of started a relationship. And what's really interesting is now the son is interacting with the same woman, and that's potentially where this could. But be. the son does not know that she slept with her with his father because now they're sleeping with each other as like lovers not in a way like it's transitioned a little bit we 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 haven't seen any payments happen but the fact that he's kind of bringing her and like you said he's a nice boy so because of that they're really trying to bring him in from there yeah um so that's kind of what's really interesting about it May I ask what you're doing? Oh, sorry. I was just trying to modify it so it's only season two, so we don't see these other character names. Yeah, well, it's, it's just the way it distracting. is. Okay. Um, oh, let me do it right here. Maybe I can just do it. No. Yeah, it's just one of those things. But anyway, so it's so it's kind of like that's where you're getting in for them from there. So you're kind of seeing how that's kind of playing together. Is like the but what's really saying the what that's really saying is the sin of the father passes down to the sun yeah so this is this is a good conversation because see lolly and i were talking and um she was saying that someone had told her 
you know, I don't know, something's kind of off about Albie. Like he's like a little bit weird. And I was thinking, I don't think Albie's weird. I think the writers are doing a good job at kind of poking at like millennial. Um, like millennials are sort of the people who are calling out generational trauma, calling out cycles. Like they're the ones that are doing a lot of like the the healing, going to therapy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think what he brings up of where he's like poking holes in his family cycles is very millennial actually. Now I think um, the assistant uh, Portia See, Lolly brought up a good point because I was like, I was like, he's not millennial in the way that other writers will make millennials look like, oh, I'm just obsessed with technology and like I'm lazy or something like that. I don't want to work hard. She brought up a good point that she think he's Generation Z. Well, I was going to I was going to say that Portia, see, Lolly says, is actually a really good example of Gen Z who is a little bit more like complaining, bored, seeking adventure, like just like nothing is kind of good enough, like that type of energy versus um, not that Albie couldn't be Gen Z because he probably technically is because he's in college or he just graduated or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, but he's sort of like this mature, like looking he's, he's he's got reasoning to be able to say, like, you know, dad, what you've done is this or the way you're judging these hookers is wrong because you'll you'll sleep with them, but you'll also judge them like that type of stuff is a really newer way of sort of looking at the world and yeah. women and stuff. So, well, it's interesting, too, because he is kind of like putting into this like toxic masculinity terminology or kind of like being like, you know, dad, like, you know. You can't look at women as objects is really what he's getting down yeah, to. Yeah, even if you do pay that. He has to talk about what he wants to talk about and kind of articulate how that these things are happening with them. And then you see this conflict happen a lot while they're eating, which is so interesting because it's like it's going back and forth between them and how they're kind of going through it. Yeah, um, especially, too, when uh, Michael brings it up to his own dad and saying i'm like this because of you mm-hmm. you know so definitely their their family dynamic is really about shedding light on like their own cycles and so i definitely think albie is the one that's like trying to be the one that like stops it to the point where he almost comes off a little bit like, like maybe a, beta or like a pushover yeah like a pushover and um but yeah it's like it's it's almost like it's overcorrecting a little bit and that's what that's what kind of happened is like the father saying you i'm a representation of you because i saw you doing this mm-hmm. and the son is like i'm trying to do the opposite way of his representation of the father of you right? so you have a three what you're seeing there is three generational trauma mm-hmm. and how each generation has kind of worked with it in a different way so it's been really interesting to see those conversations but I think when we look at it from here, what we really see is that could potentially their point of conflict is Mia and Luciana and how that's the conflict potentially with her pimp or whoever. That yeah, that's is. what I was going to say. Like the other person I was thinking could possibly die, which would feel like, OK, cool, he died is Lucia's pimp. It's mm-hmm. almost like if the, what if the three generations come together and kill Lucia's pimp. 
That would be crazy. And it's like their way of amending their rights against women or something like that. Or amending their damage against women type of thing. But we have never seen a really... The first season didn't have a premeditated murder. It was... Well, not so much premeditative as if... As much as it is... Like, I think the scene was really important when the handler, the pimp, whatever comes... And the immediately Albie and his dad get out of the car and like they go and confront. Right. But then when she when the grandpa says you let her get abducted, he gets out and he walks out as well. I think that seems really important because it shows us that like the three of them together will not let this young lady be hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so I feel like if there were a scenario where he's the, the pimp comes and is doing something I could see how the three of them conspire to protect her. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes sense. And I think what's interesting, too, about Mia's care is now she's actually branched out in another cluster. Because now it's between the piano player and the, and hosp- the hospitable manager. The manager, Valentina. So they, too, now have a conflict of interest where, she, where Mia is trying to sexually coerce both of them in order to get what she wants. Yeah, but we haven't seen the piano player, so I don't know that he's a factor anymore. Um, the other thing that I was also saying is, like, could John, Tracy's husband, die? if he if he's, Is he going to come back? You know, if he comes back, then does he die? And that's another probable, like, player, because I just feel like there's going to be some sort of confrontation between Tracy... Um, the assistant, what's her name? Portia. Uh, Tracy, Portia, um, and the uncle and Jack. I think before I was calling him something else. So I don't. I was calling him Dylan. Dylan's not even oh, like Dylan. who is Dylan? He's from season one. <laughs> I hey, think I was calling him Dylan, but this whole time I meant Jack. <laughs> he was the guy from the uh, toss salad scene. Dylan in season toss one. Sal- <laughs> okay, so correction. Every time I've said Dylan, I've really meant Jack, the nephew. Mm-hmm. So I think there, I think Jack could die. I think Tom could die. I think it'd be a little bit satisfying to see to see Tom die. Um, it could be John if he gets caught up in the shuffle as well. But for sure, we know it's not Daphne. Ooh. For sure, it's not Daphne. But I think she could be behind one of the murders because. TikTok once is like pinning her as actually this mastermind. They're like, everyone thinks that Cameron is evil, but he's actually met his match with Daphne because Daphne's just as manipulative, mm-hmm. just as intense in her, um, in her, what's the word? Like ability to like the fact that she would have a baby with another man and, and like sort of brag about it. Mm-hmm. Like she's just as narcissistic maybe but as it's really Cameron. Weird that, that Harper wouldn't, didn't pick up on that. Yeah, it's more for the audience to pick up on that. Yeah, but I feel like it's just kind of a weird thing. But, all right, well, I think that was a really good job and overview. Do you have any closing comments? Is there anyone we didn't touch on? No, we t- we touched on the groups. So I guess, in the end, who do you think dies? I don't know. I mean, I think, I think we kind of broke it down for what... Like, you don't have a specific, like... I think it's hard to say, because you never know. The show tries to elude on the impulse of humans. And that's why the season one happened, because really this show does a really good job of kind of articulating what the vice is, what the conflict is. Is it money, envy, 
desire, power, pride. Yeah, because in season one, we saw Shane, it was about power. Exactly. The fact that he couldn't get that room and he just could not let it go. Yeah, and then the and then the relationship kind of escalated because the main guy lost everything, so he dropped a deuce in his room, yeah. and Shane was waiting for the thief that he thought was going to steal his stuff because they didn't communicate to the hotel that he was apprehended. And as a result of that, him being scared, he killed them out of impulse. So Mm -hmm. it's really like, you know, we haven't seen anything really malicious yet in this this show. But season two feels like it could could turn to that. Yeah. Well, I really think that's all I have right now for this. I just really want to thank you, Natalie, for coming on. You did a phenomenal job. Thank you for breaking it down. Do you want to leave us with any MRS, RR, what is the? ASMR. AMSR sounds. You can uh, um, follow me at Natalie Granja underscore or go to my website, nataliegranja.com or listen to my podcast, Oracle Unfiltered. See you. Bye. All right. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll talk with you tomorrow.